Hello, welcome to Beyond Parenting. My name is Beth Hardy and I'm here to talk to you about parenting, what it means to you and different ways of looking at it. You may have broken free of the chains of the cycles that have been passed on to you from your family of origin, but are you stepping in the direction which is supportive of where you want to be? So we examine all things from things to do with partners, teenagers, younger kids, blowing your top, self-care and more. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Here we go. Hello, welcome to Beyond Parenting. Today our guest is Laura Linklater and she is currently with her husband and three kids living in Vietnam. And they are doing world schooling in an unschooling. And we learn about her journey, how she quit and moved away from the comfort and safety of the UK and the easy, the standard jobs and the standard life. And she moved with, they all moved away and um, how she stepped outside of the school system and how she's enjoying it and making her life the way she it's um it's really inspiring and the most important element i took from it was the word play um she talks about the idea of play not just in the way we normally think about play and it really got it got me thinking and i'm sure it'll get you thinking hi laura so great to see you thanks for coming hello it's so exciting so t- tell us laura this is really exciting where are you from where do you live right now is probably a better question. The big answer. So I live right now, I'm in our apartment with the scribbles on the wall, <laughs> which is not good for us because we're only here for another few weeks. Um, I'm in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, in the south of Vietnam. Wow. Wow. Now that's that's going to be a big story. I want to hear all about it. Right, so it is- why are you there? Tell us why you're there. <laughs> I never thought I'd come to Asia, which is so funny. And then it, it just happened. I think at the, often the best stories start with, it just happened. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my husband and I are uh, here with our three kids who are seven, five and three. They've just, there's just been a recent birthday, so I'm recalibrating my answer again. Yeah, we were just, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we, it actually isn't a story about COVID. It, people often think it does because it kind of coincided roughly with the time. It just, you know stuff happened yeah well well that's 2003 okay that's a while ago I'll go fast I'll go fast so husband and I uh, we've got time we've got time yeah so John and I met when um he was he was studying at UCL he was doing his PhD at University College London and I was at SOAS which is the School of Oriental and African Studies so he was doing his postgrad at finishing his PhD and I was doing my like first year like green undergrad uh, and I was doing Arabic so and I did Arabic essentially even to roll it back I think I just wanted to, I don't know what I wanted I actually flipped a coin between Arabic and Japanese <laughs> and then it, it landed on tails which I think gave my mind I can I can really sympathize with her now or empathize and sympathize with her face <laughs> when I told her that and then packed my bags and then moved to London so I knew that traveling is a thing traveling is a thing that people from where I grew up don't do um because 
we just we just didn't we just you know there wasn't that much that much money and I had this massive misconception that I grew up with which was that rich people travel poor people don't and also a misconception that now I've seen a bit more of the world I realize that I although we grew up with not very much money at all we weren't poor we really really weren't poor (laughs) yeah perspective is everything right yeah I mean we we just took the, the kids to the border, the land border between Vietnam and Cambodia just opened at the start of April. Yeah, and we were, no, at the end of March and start of April, we were on the first bus <laughs> because we really wanted to take the children to see Angkor Wat whilst we were here because we're going, we're going to be back in, in the UK from the summer. So we, yeah, so I had all this kind of stuff, I guess baggage, it really, it really was baggage about, you know, identity and things. So then I wanted, I knew I wanted to do a degree where I travel I didn't, I knew I was interested in languages and I knew that GCSE French didn't really inspire me. Choose my words carefully. <laughs> Just, so, it was, so you love languages, but French didn't inspire you. So how did you know you love languages? Tell me that. It's been that you, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but I kind of, uh, a bit more. Uh, so <laughs> our children are unschooled. And one of the reasons that our children are unschooled is because John and I didn't really get on with school. And I think for me, it was the learn it, regurgitate it, do it, that that kind of model. It just didn't, whereas a living, breathing language. And, you know, if you really want to learn a language, you have to go somewhere where they speak it. And, and it's funny, it, it doesn't always make really that much sense. Because when I was a kid, I was like, I can't afford to go to France, I'm poor. And then I was like, I'm going to London to study Arabic. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't make any sense. But I think I just kind of had that sense of, you know, I was... 19 and you can do whatever you want you know and I'm kind of glad that I was that ridiculous person who didn't think things through my husband is not that person he's a spreadsheet he doesn't he doesn't make a (laughs) and between us we he always says I keep him interested and he keeps me on the ground which it actually it's we, we in some weird way nearly 20 years so we work quite well together in a strange way and and yeah so I did my degree and then lived in Damascus went to the University of Damascus and the University of London both for just before before Damascus imploded and I had that experience of traveling Syria Jordan Lebanon and and then coming back to to London when John and I moved in and we settled down and had a family and he had traveled with his friends when he'd done his undergrad and then and then we decided to get married and then boom, we had three kids, like straight three and three years. So, and that was, well, three, three and a half years, which was five pregnancies in four years because there were a couple of not fun things happening in the middle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my body was well broken. <laughs> it was just broken. I was so tired. I was tandem fed, I tandem fed the first two, like breastfeeding. And then oh. oldest, had, you know, she weaned and then I tandem fed the middle one in the, baby wow so <laughs> non-stop breastfeeding yeah, non-stop breastfeeding for like six years. and actually I was still I was still boobing the baby he was like two then when we when we came out here and and there was just this point in 2019 where it had been because we'd had to so that we could afford a house John and I had basically taken jobs that we might not have chosen if it was purely intrinsic motivation like I was translating oil contracts and things into Arabic you know things that I didn't particularly want to do but I did in my early mid-20s because I 
because it paid lots of money and we needed a house and and so and we you know we didn't go out we really bootstrapped everything and we kind of enjoyed it and it was a bit of a game but after about 10 years of it we had our, our deposit and we had our house and then we had our babies and it just had this it was hard it was just couldn't there was just this point in 2019 and John was working all hours so I was at home with the kids and I wanted to be home with the kids he wanted to be working although if he had his choice he would have been at home as well he wanted we wanted to go part-time part-time well no he he earned a lot more than me in the same job well I mean that's a podcast isn't it but you know he'd gone into management and I hadn't actually made that leap because then I'd had the baby but but the difference between half of my salary plus half of his salary was that was catastrophic versus none of my salary both we both have said now far away from it that we felt trapped by patriarchy at that stage he couldn't not be the breadwinner because we couldn't survive and I couldn't work and then I was like side hustling here and there doing a bit of tutoring and that was good and and I am kind of okay when he and but it was the I'd have the whole week with three babies <laughs> in nappies and then I'd zip to people's houses to do like math and then on Sunday it would be family day and then Monday I'd just be like oh here we go again and there was just this point in 2019 for some reason I realized I must have had I must have sat still for a minute and then I realized that it was going to be like this for 20 years or something was going to change and I couldn't see what would change and something broke in me like I didn't get out of bed for two and a half days and I remember standing at the side of the bed in his suit with the baby and he was like I don't know what to do do I go go to work do I what the kids are watching Teddy needs milk and I I don't know what to do and I, I literally was I just blinked and and in my head I was like this is really bad this, it was I don't know I guess rock bottom I guess I don't know what you call it because I never saw anyone after that and and in some ways you know isn't that just a response to feeling trapped it's, yeah totally it, it just like it doesn't feel like it was a psychological episode it clearly it was but it just yeah. felt like this was the response to the next 20 years in this tunnel and I I didn't want it John didn't want it we didn't have enough money, even with his salary. We didn't have enough money to go out on trips or, you know, it was all, we were doing all free stuff and always taking a packed lunch, which is existing, great. Still- existing all the time. Yeah, it was just... Yeah, the, existing, the idea of existing is so common, right? We- yeah, I guess it was just, but when did it end? And then I realised it wasn't going to end. And then I just sat in my bed. And then it was like Wednesday. <laughs> I, just, I was just like, I can't. It's ridiculous. And and then kind of after I'd come out, John was like, I'm going to get my mum to have the kids for a bit because they don't live anywhere. New. It was just me and John, our island. He was at work, crack of dawn, 45-minute commute, home really late, head of department, buckets of work when he came home. He was struggling to keep his head up, you know, above water. And and it was literally just us financially and childcare and, and all of that. And I say that knowing that we were very privileged, knowing that we are really lucky. Yeah. And also um, it still felt really hard. Yeah. And and John just said, What do we do? Because I don't want to see you like this. And me breaking, I guess, made him he found his voice because I think he he doesn't often self-advocate. I often do. <laughs> loudly 
and we're learning that as you know as we as we grow as we get older together like to he's learning to speak up and I'm learning to maybe be a bit more subtle and <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um but I because I'm a baby of five kids so it's Subtlety Absolutely. doesn't get you. It's survival, survival mechanism, right? <laughs> Absolutely true. And he, you know, he was the firstborn of two, so he didn't really have to fight yeah, that no. much, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so I grew up in a very chaotic household. And he, yes, and he said, I feel really ungrateful saying this, and it's why he didn't say it so long. He was like, but I'm not happy either because I want to be at home with my kids. And I don't want, he's, he was a teacher. Well, he is a teacher now, but he's leaving teaching and at least leaving formal teaching in June, July this year, which is also really big. Um, and, and he said, I, I want to be at home with the children. And I, I feel like I'm cheated of that chance. And I didn't dare say anything because... I feel like that's disrespectful to you, but it's not about you. It's about, you know, that's that wider patriarchy point and he knew how to raise it. And also he felt that raising it wouldn't have done anything. Yeah. And he was kind of right, but also wrong because that's how we work together. So we both kind of, we there was, so, you know, when you look back on it, there were so many ways that we could have not got there, but we needed to clearly. And maybe because we've been teenagers when we got together, we, we hadn't really had to and then you know suddenly we're like 35 with three kids <laughs> and mm. we're like, oh, no. and uh, yeah and he said like what do we do what do you need what does your heart need which is the best question ever and I was like I need to travel I need to go somewhere and we either do it before we, you know now or we do it when they're grown up and I can't wait I can't right. wait I can't yeah. do this and and he and then he literally picked up his phone I remember telling you about this he picked up his phone and there was his exact job and in fact it wasn't even his job it was a step down from his job as the head of department because he didn't want to be in charge anymore it was a step down from his job so actually his dream job in Ho Chi Minh City and it asked for exactly his qualifications and exactly his years of experience so it's like so much 12 years of experience to because it's harder it's in some ways it's harder to get into the international schools and and he literally opened his phone and was like I've got an alert from TES <laughs> and then we had um I don't know if we swear so I'm gonna not it's but okay we, I'll, we, put, I'll put I'll put a e on it so it's fine oh good okay we literally <laughs> both looked at each other and went fuck it <laughs> and then he was like oh shit <laughs> We do, yeah I just it, it just feels like when I look back, I look back on that as like a the, the awful time but also the magical time because magic kind of started from there and then we just got our house rented out I say just I mean honestly it's but you only have to do it once and now we can do it again next time we go somewhere <laughs> but yeah we we kind of painted we painted all the walls with stuff like this on them and uh, you know there's some like polyfiller on things he was working his notice and then COVID hit like three weeks after <laughs> and we just decided that this is and also this is another key point that we decided that the point of so we had an option we had to get to Vietnam and you couldn't get to Vietnam you couldn't get from the UK you had to do it and you couldn't do it <laughs> yeah and we were like uh-oh and then the <laughs> So the schools in Vietnam, like there, there aren't um, <laughs> there aren't unions or any of that rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> like you have a baby, and they say, "Well, you, you have the baby, and you come back, and then you do." 
because you know they just give you a job away otherwise and actually he works for a really ethical school but that's just because they're good people mm. you know, but there is there aren't any rules and they said look if you can't get here we don't need to honor the contract and we were like oh that's really scary and then John's school said look if you want to retract your resignation given everything that's going on you can and we knew we had basically three weeks period between when John said no I officially quit to when they said okay you can get on a plane and we just oh my god that's three weeks wow nail bites went through your head during that time how did you deal with that it was good it was really it was a good thing I mean it wasn't it was awful but it was (laughs) the lived experience of it was awful but it made us realize we had this I remember sitting in the garden it was a sunny day and you couldn't go anywhere it was when you were allowed to have one hour of exercise but we but for us and this this is, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way because it was a really scary period of time. But for us, it was the first time that daddy hadn't had to be at work since we'd had kids. So we had three naked children running around in the sun playing in the dirt. And we actually lived ne- next to a, an older people's home. And they would look out the window and wave at us and we'd send, you know, cards and the kids would spell things out with flowers. And actually it was quite idyllic Aww. in our football. You know, we always had all this big stuff going around and we didn't tell the kids because they were too young and... Right. They were all three babies then. And, and I sat with John. We sat on these chairs and I was like, this is so stressful not knowing. And he said, it is. But we made a choice to not go back because we'd realised through that, and there's no way I think we would have ever processed that, that the idea of staying the same was more scary than the idea of a big scary leap. Right. Yeah, because we were like, what do we do if it, we had all these plans like what what and we have in our little town this little town of like eleven thousand people where we live in in yorkshire and and we were like there's there's a waitrose there's a sainsbury's <laughs> there's an asda we could all get jobs i can do that john's like online on online's the new thing right <laughs> this is like march 2020 and uh, <laughs> it's like little did we know like isn't there this company called zoom i don't know <laughs> <laughs> We'd come up with all these backup plans and we would have made it work. You know, there was, we had friends at a bookshop that you know, we'd said, would you like somebody one day a week? And and it's it made us more creative in a way that, you know, a two-teacher household and I we knew that the children weren't going to go to school, so that they weren't quite school-aged then. I think our eldest was just five. Not that it would have mattered, you know, in the heart of COVID. But um, so we knew me going back to the classroom wasn't a thing that was going to happen. And... We just, we had to live right in the moment. And I don't think we'd ever lived in the moment. Before. And do you know what was so funny is that we had people around us going like, you're great. I mean, some people were like, yes, you're brilliant. And we have this little blog called um, Linklaters on the Loose. It's just a little, it's like a family blog. It's really, really small. It, it was really set up for us, us to set up our parents. And one day I'll do something with it. And somebody went, I remember somebody, when we put the news out that we were taking the Vietnam job, somebody across the street shouted, they're on the loose. <laughs> So we had some real cheerleaders. It was really funny. But a lot of other people who were like, this is insane. This is like yeah. almost tragic. How can you do this? To you? This is ridiculous. It's And my mom was, she's supportive, but also terrified. And I hear that from, you know, she just wants us to be secure. And that's cool. You, you know, it's it was very, I think we treat a lot of people with our choices, if that 
Yeah, because we spoke to a lot of people and we have, even in the time we've been here, we've kept in touch with, because we were only, it was two year contracts here and we could have extended and we chose not to for some family reasons. And also because we're in the heart of a massive Asian mega city of 40 million. And that is brilliant. But there's some days where the pollution is so high that you can't go out. Like, it's, and that's, mm. people aren't bothered by that. But we live in the countryside in the in Yorkshire and we're like, oh, I think, I think I want some trees. <laughs> some trees, you guys. I remember thinking yeah. in London, actually, I was like, I need to not be surrounded by concrete for a little bit, please. And that's when we, we moved to Yorkshire, actually. I live um, I live Sheffield. I'm not, so yet, I'm not exactly Sheffield. I used to live in Sheffield. We moved out, but yeah, where, 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 which village do you? Well, Tarrant. we're in Otley, Otley, which is halfway between Harrogate and um, halfway between. Actually, Harrogate's the top. Is it's just a strange thing to say, but do you know what? We got on the plane, and John and I, we, we were like mildly hysterical by the time we got to Heathrow Airport, because uh, we got on like the first plane out. His school is owned by this big company, and actually, it was quite lucky that we went for. a that it happened to be a school with basically money yeah. because they charged for all the teachers because really, really really they had to honor the contract because they have to be open and people pay their fees and things it's a strange world private international education mm. and uh so yeah they chartered a plane so we got on this plane but you had to everyone go to Heathrow and you know we're there like oh you know everyone's in their masks like the crew were in literal hazmat suits Wow. Vietnam is very very strict Vietnam was actually COVID free for the first seven months that we lived here <laughs> came out we came out of quarantine two weeks in a hotel room five people <laughs> but oh, you know you've got to do it well, you had to do it you had to do it and um yeah we came out at the start of August so it was it must have been the middle of July it's crazy I know we had they did actually suggest they said uh you know in that in that hiatus period where we had to to say no to John's current yes. job because yes. you know they have to they had to get another biologist in the middle of lockdown as well. And they did, and it was okay. But we had to give them notice as soon as we could. And we felt like we were kind of yanking their chain a bit. And in the end, John was like, you know what, just, just no. So that was done. And, you know, make an affirmative decision to help everybody. Boundaries is a big thing. Hopefully yes, <laughs> a bigger thing in the world now. Yeah. But then, and then they said, how do you feel? How do you feel about, you know, just John coming out? And then Laura would come out with the kids at another point. And I was like, no, you know, they said, you know, it might be like around Christmas. And I was like, so you are telling me you want me with no income, no income. <laughs> to live in the house. But that would mean that we couldn't rent out our house in England. Yeah, exactly. That's how we're affording this by renting our house That's it. with three, three kids. They were five. So that I, I shot that idea down and John was like, yeah, no, I don't think I could cope with that on my own. <laughs> so, yeah, we, and we got it was so funny. We were in Heathrow Airport and we turned around really high stress. Everyone's like sanitizer over us. We turned around and our two-year-old was licking the floor. <laughs> oh um, yeah, we finally got on the plane and we sat on the plane and we turned around and it was full of families with small children. Okay, so we took this really big leap it's not a big leap and there were some people that are like oh yeah you know we had an extended time home and um you know in the UK now we're back you know we've been doing this for 10 years and you know it's an annual trip it's part because part of the contract with the school is that you get a return trip um not last year because we were in lockdown here in Vietnam because <laughs> it, it came here um but then they they gave us the money so we took it on a bit of a holiday in Vietnam which actually right. worked out quite well for us not 
you know, we didn't see our family, but no complaints. And uh, would have been nice to, but you know. And and it just, yeah, we just had this moment where it, we, I remember me and John looking at each other like, it's somebody else's normal. We just didn't know them. We just did of expat families, uh, you know, Vietnamese families and I mean, my kids are outside right now playing with their uh, with their Vietnamese friends in the apartment block. Actually, the apartment block that we live in is Korean owned. So we're, we're kind of in like a little K-town here. There's okay. like the, the K-mart and lots mm-hmm. of signs of Korean and, and things. So, you know, they have Korean friends, they don't think anything of it. And it's really, it is somebody else's norm. And it was yeah. just a huge life lesson. Ah. Uh, different part it was just it wasn't even a small fish big part it's just different pond different yeah fish. we're just all yeah. fish trying our best <laughs> just swimming <laughs> new-ish verb I guess it's like that thing of getting on the plane is is you think when you're doing it and you're out of your comfort zone you think it's the, the most bizarre thing ever and what we're doing and I've read a blog about it and some books and then you do it and you meet but here part of the reason why Ho Chi Minh City is so great is because it's a big city so it's split into like Hunger Games style, different districts. So we live in district two, okay. which John tells me is weapons, which I think is concerning. Not, <laughs> well, not, well, in not sure, at least it's not district 12. <laughs> in Hunger Games or actually in... No, in Hunger Games, in Hunger Games, yeah. It's, okay. um, <laughs> yeah, we live in district two. So we're on the edge of, uh, of D1, which is like the central business district. It's got what my kids call the rocket tower. And yeah. <laughs> Sorry, just take <laughs> But there's even a sky train which is still being built. But one day I'm sure we'll come back and it will be built. I feel like we can't be frustrated about it because the last two years have been a bit strange. So well, deadlines for building. Fair enough. Somewhat. <laughs> yeah. Apparently it's been in production for the last like 10 years. <laughs> we'll just let it go. Yeah. So yeah, District 2. So there's District 2 and District 7. So it's like the middle bit and they don't go in numerical order. It doesn't make any sense you know and I guess who are we to think it should you know it doesn't matter so that yeah district two and district seven have big world schooling hubs and that means that lots of people so there's like Facebook groups and things for it we're actually going to spend the summer in a place called Hoi An which is a bit north it's like central Vietnam but on the coast and there's a Hoi An world schooling hub there and essentially it's just groups of but the, you know the same like like-minded people who are like we're going to do it differently we we're not going to send our kids to school uh we're going to experience well so some people have you know full-on books at the desk especially some of the people we've met who are american because if they want their kids to ever go so if they kind of naturalize they live in their state i was gonna say it's not california because california I met somebody the other day who, they don't have any rules in california but i know someone in missouri like their kids have to take yeah. a standardized test and they have to cover X, Y, Z. So they just yeah. kind of get their head down and do that. And then the rest of the time they, they do mm. the stuff. So everyone does it in different ways. And we do it very, very intuitively. You know, one, like one day the one, we saw a hornbill, a bird flew past us and they are massive, massive, terrifying things. <laughs> and they look very pretty, but when they come a bit near, it's like, okay. So, um, and one of my kids just asked loads of questions. There we go. We've got documentaries. We've got books. We've got you know, learning projects. We're doing presentations. And and I, with my you know parent head, and I don't know if it is the teacher head, but you know the overview. You know I'm kind of thinking, can't you do full stops and capital letters? You know, are we getting the numbers in? And I'll throw them some word problems in, you know, multiplication to 
hit all those areas but it is so different for for every house that's just how we do it that we follow what they're interested in yeah and then yeah. like there, there's even in district two we we have a water taxi that goes up the river saigon it sounds it just sounds bonkers that that's real but and we went on it the other day and one of the boys said how does it work well there we go youtube this is what youtube is really for it's you know how do yeah. how do catamarans stay up and, and off we go and and like yeah it's probably like year 10 physics but they're interested and it turns out they exactly. go for it exactly and there's ways of working it in like my my middle one right now is five he'll be six in december and we you know i said we went to cambodia and we went to angkor wat to, oh oh it was amazing i cried when we were there just because we were there <laughs> so exciting and uh, and he got really into the story because the story behind Angkor Wat is quite bloody it's like the usurper king who chopped the current king's head off and then built this big you know temple complex to show but look I am a good leader and also I guess to show look how powerful I am and yeah. so you know at five years old we watched I mistakenly put on a National Geographic documentary thinking you know it's not gonna yeah it's just a National Geographic it was quite graphic regret regret <laughs> I learned a lesson always have the kids label it wasn't that gross but it was just for, for five and he's blessing he's very sensitive and so he got really interested in warriors like warrior and then mm. somehow and my comparative history as a Brit <laughs> is atrocious like I don't know what was going on in the world at different points mm -hmm. but it turned out he's also interested in knights and castles you know like the kind of stuff like the UK ones and and he said what happened you know when was this and it turned out through Google that it was both the 12th century so the Angkor Wat's 12th wow. century and so now at age five on a big board so I've got a piece of this is a massive cardboard box this, this has turned into our calm corner but he's got a massive cardboard box that we opened like a display and he's doing a comparative display on warriors of 12th century Cambodia and British knights of old. Wow. And that's what how he well, that's like a dissertation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I know I'm massively out of my depth here, but that's the thing we learned together. And mm. I mean that opportunity wouldn't have arisen in school, not in reception class. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's you know, I've taught in reception and it genuinely was. Of all the jobs I've ever done in my life, reception was the hardest job I've ever done in my life. You know, everybody is like this open secret where everyone thinks that like the year six in primary school, everybody thinks. Yeah, and so, yeah, so we, we just thought of, if we could find somewhere where there's lots of world schoolers, because then mm. it can be quite lonely and you're traveling with kids can be quite lonely. And I think it can get a bit lonely for them. And maybe this is my paranoia. I don't know, because they've never said that. But when we do do, you know, trips and we... Like when we went to Cambodia, we had 10 days before the money ran out that we budgeted and we were like, okay, Phnom Penh, do this, do this, and then go up and then we'll drive. And then, and and it was, it, it was uh, you know, a couple of nights here, a couple of nights here, and they actually really struggled with it. Right. Especially one of my children is, uh, I think he's going to be, there's going to be some autism assessment in there at, at some point or you know, some, there's a lot of talk, you know, we're in Vietnam, we're in a South, Southeast Asian culture, Ancestors are everywhere, like every house, mm. every apartment block, even in, in ours, we have a, um, it's kind of like a, a furnace and, and every month 
Vietnamese people will put in. So it's like a, it's almost like a barbecue, you know, like a uh, I'm 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 messing up my words because I don't want to be disrespectful, but I'm trying to describe it. it almost looks like a pizza oven. That's what we thought it was, but right. not. It's like a pizza oven, and it but it's got piles and piles and piles of ash in it. And it's it looks like one of the incense holders. You know, they have like the three um, the three legs that curl out, right. and everyone's got this. And I said when we first arrived, what what is that? And even in the middle of the city centre, in the luxury apartments, they all have a luxury. <laughs> um, and it's a, it's an ancestors uh, offering space, and so people will print money, and they'll print clothes, like paper clothes, exactly like what I teach for. Uh, you know, when I teach English, do my TEFL course, it's it's exactly like like that. You cut it out and then you take it and then you burn it and it goes up to your ancestors. Wow. It's amazing. And so my kids have just seen that. And then they turn around and they said, Mommy, what what are our ancestors ancestors like? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Because it's not really a thing in our culture. And it made me realise I want to know, you know, and I want the kids to know. And it, and it was real. I know. It's just really interesting. It made me think about, about being grounded and being grounded at home and being grounded in wild, in wider family. And then we thought, is there a way that we can combine the traveling with, you know, our parents getting older and things? Can we combine that? So our new plan in this space. So I, when we moved here, also one of the great things about moving here and that, that rock bottom point was I said to John, I want to have a career again. You know, I've done seven years of being, well, six, now seven years of being at home with the kids. And so I now support parents conversation. I, I set up a coaching consultancy to, to support parents who have tough upbringings, which is what I've always worked with. It's what I worked with, with in the police. It was me, you know, the cycle breaker parents with, and so I do like healing, like meditation and EFT, emotional freedom technique mm. and things and teach parenting skills. In, like, and you know, the things that they teach us when you're, it's tuning in, it's the conscious, it's conscious parenting. So I, I support cycle breaker parents that way. And and so when he takes a step back from his work, which he doesn't want to do full time, I will be stepping up and I will be coaching more, which is really, really exciting. So we're kind of completely changing the roles. And in the meantime, I'm teaching TEFL. <laughs> yeah, and it might be that my TEFL gets us into different countries as the, you know, I could take a job to one or two days a week in an institution, or we can just, you know, travel around. Because I think what we want to do is to be grounded at home so our kids feel British, because whatever that means, I don't, well, you know, maybe we'll learn that all together. Who knows what that answer is? Because we've met a lot of, I think it's called the third nationality, which is no nationality, as in okay. international kids. We've met an awful lot of international kids, obviously, because that's what we're with. And it made us realise, John and I, that one of our values is actually home and grounding with adventure. Right. And now, now we, we talk now before we hit rock bottom, <laughs> which is a really nice awesome. thing. <laughs> really good thing. So it's another great thing that came out of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's actually life changing, isn't it? That kind of communication, actual open communication. And then we kind of solve as we go and we're getting more and more creative. And I truly think on the neurodivergence, I think that my dyslexia is good for that. Really good for that mm. because I often wrong for stuff. <laughs> and and John's like, I don't know, it's so scary. It's he wants it to be in a line and and I have never been able I never I could never even trace the line. <laughs> Just, 
it wasn't a thing that appeared in my life so it's yeah so so for me doing teflon things and he can tutor anywhere in the world and be online I'm actually tapping my collarbone so I'm like oh this is a bit stressful but it's fun it's really really fun and so then we can have grounded kids this is our theory maybe in a year's time we do a review and it's gone out the window don't know and um, and then live you know say five months of a year off peak you know so it's not summer holidays so we can spend the summer holidays with our grandparents and well the kids grandparents and things and and also we can say travel from like March the next trip seems to be March, probably March until June, March, April, May, June, July, March until July. We don't. Yeah. But you know what? The fact is, though, that having a five year plan, I think this was the point of my breakdown in 2019. I have no pension. I mean, I do. I do from when I was a teacher. I didn't earn a pension. You know, my five year plan in that box, in the box that seems to work for lots of other people. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it does. You know, and there's no judgment. Just it is what it is, what it is. We all like different things. My five-year plan didn't serve me. And if we'd have stayed in the safe box, I was being, as a woman, utterly stuffed. Yeah. Utterly yeah. stuffed. So actually, that whole thing of security, because often somebody said to me, are you sacrificing security for freedom? And I was like, what? That's a big... <laughs> and actually, we're not, because the, the security, the stability wasn't providing security for me. But I actually have more chance now in this weird way that we're doing things. I have more chance to earn a private pension than I ever would have earned, even if I'd have gone back to school one day a week. So actually the system wasn't serving either of us as a family and it wasn't, it wasn't enabling John to be the family man that he wanted to be. We did say early on in this year, it's, it's, an, it's one of these exercises. That I'm like, let's choose a word for 2022. And John's like, oh, all right. <laughs> like she's fine he's like he's like I've, i draw the line at journaling i'm not doing it fine 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 let's choose a word and the word that we picked for the kids as well it goes with the unschooling it goes with the world schooling it goes with all of the weird stuff is play it's play because when we had that awful three weeks of quit the job but might not get to vietnam yes we had to face the fact that we didn't have a secure income and we had had like that you know, we'd had, we had a really good income as a, you know, a head of department in a secondary school. Mm. We had, you know, the house and the car, we had two cars, you know, all that kind of stuff that it looks, it looks from the outside, like living the dream, what's your problem? And actually it wasn't the dream. It was a dream that we thought was the dream and it actually turned out not to be. Mm. And we thought actually it's play because we realized that in that moment we could walk into jobs. And if I was kind of calming my mum down the other day and I said, look, if it, if we get back and in you know August we realize oh we've made a terrible we won't but if we realize oh we've made a terrible mistake John will go get a job in a school he'll go get a full-time job in a school and he can do that with 16 years of experience and mm. it will be kind of for us it will be a bit of a step back but you know if we need to pay the mortgage you know, this is what we do and but when we've actually created these lots of multiple smaller streams of income and of course, now I am working because the kids are older and he he can take them. He wants to take them to forest school. He wants to take them out on boats on the river wharf. And he couldn't before, whereas I can now earn money because I'm not, you know, breastfeeding and exhausted with three babies. And yeah, you know, nappies up to my eyeballs. <laughs> so it's, you know, if it's just play because their learning is play. 
our marriages play it's much more playful you'll be unsurprised to know we're much happier as a couple and you know financially it's all play because we can cover the bases if we must and we can you know we can sell our house if we're still paying the mortgage but if it you know if it came to it yeah and we can live in a cheaper country if it came to it and it probably won't yeah. <laughs> but even if it does it's just play because we have each other and it's a really different way of this was the point the point when my eldest was supposed to be going to school you know when the letters were coming out is the year so she was born in 2015 it was the year when they introduced mandatory testing for four-year-olds on the first day of reception mm -hmm. and I just said I'm not doing it I literally refused to do it and then they were also linking that so I was a year six teacher then they were linking it to year six well they are they are now linking what kids get on day one of reception as it as it as if they're in any state and I know it's not an exam it's like an iPad thing but they can't cope with it and they they don't they don't need to I mean look at Finland look at Finland it kicks our butts it's the top of the feet of the you know the PISA rankings year in year in year yeah. in when do they they don't even start formal education till but these are humans they might not make a step change in learning from you know September till Christmas but then they might make two between Christmas and Easter yeah. Yeah, th yeah, this child has a really complicated home life. This child is the youngest in the class by 11 months because they happen yeah. to be born at the end. I often say, people say, what was, the, what was the thing that made you get off the fence with, with home educating? And I always say, my, well, it was that. It was, I knew we were going to do it before that, but the, the, like I was full of fire and brimstone when they brought in testing for four-year-olds I was like no that's, that's it like any any equivocation you know like the September wobble so a lot of people we often see like the September like back to school photos and then on the you know on the other on the home ed Facebook groups it's full of people having wobbles like some people having picnics like not back to school picnics yeah. and other people having like oh we have the museum to ourselves yay and then other people are just like rocking in a corner like oh have I done the right exactly and I, and I have a I do have a mini wobble every year but now I know it's coming so that's okay it doesn't but it's another yeah. thing where it didn't make it doesn't really make sense for us for, for John bless him and he loved the thing is he loves teaching he's a really <laughs> He's, he's he's quite a subversive teacher actually because he does um often in secondary they'll do uh, a cpd like a continuing professional development he will deliver it and he's been teaching a long time now and he knows the subjects inside out and and he he often teaches things like how can you use play-doh in biology a level and everyone's <laughs> like is that a john one it's a john one, isn't it <laughs> do you know what though his classes are consistently consistently and, oh, and that's, that's awesome. I know that's like the pride of a wife but you know but it's but it's also because he has play and they go in and they love it and they remember it because they've you know built the endocrine system through different color play-doh and, yeah. and you know you can't do that on a worksheet but also you could do it other ways and he's often talking about the theory of knowledge and how we learn and everyone's like all oh, right it's a link later one all good <laughs> <laughs> you know so I think he's a bit in, in some ways a bit sad to leave formal education because he's but no it but it, it when we left when we left the UK he was so burned out yeah and actually being here being in an international school and he did to be fair he's gone from being head of department to like biology teacher so his 
everything got lighter you know a whole stone got taken off him yes. and he's now not you know not responsible for the spreadsheet for the spreadsheets and things <laughs> and uh, much as he loves them I think they got a bit much and you know in that kind of push he ended up being the person saying but we need this person to be here and the staff was like yeah but they're not they're not and actually in some cases you can support you know children and I mean young people in secondary you know you can support them and you can give them extra tuition you can do all that other stuff and in some cases they're just not there and there's actually this is something that we we are having to do a lot of unlearning of our conditioning from our education system and our experience of teaching we're having to do a lot of unlearning so that I can say to my kids it's okay if you don't excel in geography it's okay if you don't you know and of course the irony is is that they're more likely to now because they're not at school because they've experienced a desert and they've experienced habitats and they understand you know that anyway that's by the way but the you know it's okay it's okay if they're not wonderful scientists and wonderful geographers and wonderful historians and you know authors at 12 and you know doing further maths it's okay if you're not very good at some stuff because yeah. not everybody is good at everything and this idea that we have to have a general certificate of excelling in every single area. That's an idea that somebody has put upon children and young people. That's not necessarily the objective truth of what we have to do to function in society. It's a truth mm. and it's really not serving a lot of people. It's not serving the teenagers. You're looking at mental health. It's not serving families who are having to deal with kids who don't want to do stuff. And it's not serving teachers who are burning out. Okay. <gasps> Sorry. <gasps> <laughs> no, Laura, I, I, as you mentioned before, I think we could talk about everything all day. The education, yeah. Another day and another day. But the, thing, the thing is to know that, that it's like, it's not that schools are a bad place. It's just, it's not, I think often that because we talk about, doing education differently it doesn't mean that we because we have most most of the kids friends go to school mm-hmm. and we learn differently there's no judgment there's no you know and not everybody wants to quit their jobs and no teach English to kids in Beijing at four in the morning because they don't want to you know and other people the stuff that doesn't float our boat floats other people's and that's that's fine it's not and and there's a lot of stuff that can change in the education system and having seen it in asia it's not the same as the uk system and it serves kids a lot in some ways a lot better so it's it's not i don't want to just i just don't want even though i can rant about the education system for hours it doesn't mean that if your kid goes to school and you're listening to this you're not failing your kid by not taking them out and traveling around portugal it's a choice but i still meet people who don't know it's a choice not to they they really is, is that legal? And I'm like, as if, as if I'd do it if it wasn't <laughs> This is why we can't go to France. We had all these plans of having a camper van in France. We can't do it now because it's illegal to home educate in France. I mean, that's a different thing, isn't it? But yeah. it, it's, uh, yeah, so it is legal and you can do it and you can do it in many ways. And there's a whole load of support out there. Loads of yeah. Facebook groups, loads of in-person groups now. They're starting. It's taking and it's- your kids can socialise with other kids of different ages. different background Um, and they're uncomfortable for people who either either don't mind and they don't question or they do have the questions and they don't this is what when John and I really thought about why some people had really huge reactions to what we were doing and and then we really thought about it and it's exactly what you said that's triggering their like but I want to do some people not everybody but some people you know I want to do this but I'm really upset that you're doing it because I'm not and it feels too scary for me you know that kind of thing 
I think there's, when somebody starts questioning authority and the, the perceived status quo, you know, because we just, you know, you have kids and we had like home births as well for two of us, you know, and that was challenging enough. And, you know, you have kids, you take them home from the hospital, you know, you go to baby group and then they go to school, blah, 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 blah. Like people don't even question it as a premise. And when you're there and you're like, I don't hold that premise, I'm not doing that. It's like, oh, well, maybe I don't hold that premise. And actually it's really uncomfortable. And some people would rather shut down and not talk to you than because then they, they they don't want to deal with or they're not ready to and and again that's that's fine we're all ready you know we're all at different stages aren't we that it's yeah. quite intimidating if you have questions but you don't feel you can voice them it, i think that's why that the effort moment is really powerful because it's the point where you stop caring about others. <laughs> and actually they used to be it used to be kind of a bit easier but now there's because there's been that misconception between the whole homeschooling is in schooling at home yeah. And I think there were some people who were forced to do the schooling at home and then went, oh, hey, my kid is really nice now. You know, oh, my kid isn't anxious now. And then, you know, so it actually became their trial period. And that's why this is to me, this is why, you know, it's that thing about the system isn't serving us. And then they've been forcibly shoved out of the system and had to do school at home and then realized this is serving us because my autistic child is much more ha- is much happier or my you know even you know neurotypical child is a lot less anxious and they they have space to grow and relax and and sleep and be in control of their own body and things like that oh this is serving us so you know then they've not gone back to school you know then they have deregistered but also there's some people who you know now when you join the facebook groups it says um are you home educating or are you schooling at home? Because there's a difference yes. and, and they made it a bit harder because I think everyone just got so overwhelmed. Usually it's just like a few moms and dads, isn't it? And, and yeah. then it exploded in 2020. So I often recommend, can't remember her name. Oh, you'll know it, I'm sure. Um, she wrote this amazing book called School Without Home. No, Le- no. Education Without School. Ross, Ross Mountney. Mountain. Oh, oh, I, oh, I think I've heard of her. Yeah. And- oh, she's yeah yeah and also I have this really great book which I'm still working through called jump fall fly but it's not uh it's not a kind of how-to the the education without school that book for me was really great because it was like you can do it you can learn you know multidisciplinary can't say that yeah word. No, that, I think that was right <laughs> there we go um well I'm not going to say it again <laughs> but you know you can learn in that way where it's not you know silos of this is maths this is English this is science you can actually you know like that thing with the comparative history you know my son is getting all of his he's getting his history he's getting geography he's getting habitat of animals he's getting animal treatment actually because he was like wait should you be on a should you go places on an elephant is that good for the elephant I was like that's a different conversation so you know we've gone off on that tangent and he's really interested he's getting his reading he's getting his writing we're building in maths and engineering, like STEM, as we build. We're doing a Lego ankle what, which I regret. <laughs> I regret. <laughs> but he loves it. It's killing me. He loves it. You know, so, but the point is that he's hitting all of his objectives that he would hit in school. Activity. <laughs> and, you know, some days he doesn't wake up until half past eight in the morning because he's tired. He's growing. Mm. and he's not so grumpy those days you know and some days he wakes up really early and because he's a human (laughs) 
it's so yeah so the the jump so the sorry the Ross Mountney book she's written some other ones as well it's like how to it's it's what I found it in a charity shop this is serendipity I found it in a in a charity shop the maybe somebody put it there actually the week that Sophia didn't start school I just literally was looking I was looking at scared I can't walk past a, I can't walk past a charity shop can't do it <laughs> there's so much gold in there and I've just gone in and it was just there and I was like Ah, and and yeah so that that came home with me and it's kind of more of a how-to and it's also very reassuring it's like for for people who are green so I recommend that book everywhere and then Jump Full Fly is a book about an unschooling family but it's more kind of it's like having it's like this it's like having a chat with an unschooling family and I found really interesting but it's not going to give you any answers it's going to help you it's going to prompt you to ask the questions yeah which are so it depends how you're feeling on that day. Um, I want to ask you some rapid fire questions if you're up for it. <laughs> okay. Oh, are you ready? You ready? So worst thing being a parent? Lack of sleep. Lack of sleep. Best thing about Hands down. Best thing about being a parent. Cuddles. Cut again. Being a parent, did it break you down, lift you up, or both? both <laughs> clearly right. do you know what it broke me down in order to break my conditioning and that lifted me up yeah that's it isn't it well, i got a bit emotional then cool i know i know <laughs> on a rapid fire as well <laughs> <laughs> so true um so what is your favorite thing about you <laughs> that's harder isn't it it's easy to talk about your kids i know mm-hmm. I that's why i put it in there um I am brave also I um I've got two it's also this tattoo it's it's the molecular structure of oxytocin so it's physically this I had a bit of a meltdown about doing it because it's quite big for me it's probably not for other people but it was a big deal for me having it and it was a commitment to me about how I was going to live always with love and connection it was my I'm becoming a mum present to me so there's that but also I'm, I'm brave and the most important job of a parent is raising children up and actually that that because so I work with groups and I work one-to-one with cycle breaker parents and the the skills base so I have different units and one of them that I do is the skills based one it's called raise them up and because we we can use different skills and in terms of conscious parenting and you know, conscious parenting is just being aware of who you are and you know what you brought to the page you know I was 30 when I but I was 29 when I was pregnant and literally just turned 30 before I, I had my first it's 30 years of conditioning that's 30 years of experience that's 30 years of you know being burned and and then raised up by different things and you know forming a conclusion so of course we're not blank tablets when we become parents and so it's it's that is basically for me that's the crux of a conscious parenting just and when we heal our stuff and when we unpick our stuff which does take bravery and support usually that we are able to be more in the moment with our with our kids and so we can raise them up and it looks different to you know you can't actually raise your child up that's why I always talk about healing and skills that go together because the idea of you can't you can't help a child or a young person through their big feelings which they will have which they should have which are developmentally appropriate if you are unable to acknowledge your big feelings in yourself 
It just, the dissonance is so great that that's why we're being triggered all the time. That's why people are saying, I wanted to be, you know, I, I want to be a gentle parent. I want to be a, you know, a conscious parent. And, and, you know, and then they just like, they cry and cry and cry and it grinds. And then I shout. And, and actually the grind is nothing to do with your parenting, really. It's to do with your triggers of, I was never heard. I was never supported. I was never given this space. And we, it's hard. We get to give that to ourselves in order to give it to our kids. And then when we give it to ourselves, we realize we don't need the skills so much. It's, it's like a, a big conundrum, isn't it? It's yeah. chicken and the egg. And, and in our society, we're taught skills come first learn your skills, excel at your skills, pass your test, little children, and now you can meet your child's needs because you have the script. And actually, it doesn't work like that. And if you try it and you're not in a place, and you, you well, you know, because you've got three, if you try it and you're and they're like, I'm very, very stressed out and I'm really angry by you, but I'm going to say the things that I read in a book. The kids are just like, no, and it doesn't stick. So it's the healing yeah. and the skills. That's <laughs> So actually, I really think, I truly believe that raising a child up and because you can't raise a child up if you don't know them. You know, I have three utterly different children and they need different things from me. Just, um, I have like a free course, a free e-course just as a, as a welcome. So it's just cyclebreakerparents.com forward slash. Classes are just great you know when you just like you want to get some stuff in your brain and you want to have a chat with an adult but you don't have an actual adult space and the kids are in the park yes. I often do this like my kids are in the park they don't want me they don't need me but if I went away that would be bad and they would stop playing so I just put one earbud in and I do like squats in the corner of the park oh, Laura. I do I do exactly the same but I don't do the squats <laughs> I walk around listening to all sorts and sometimes yeah they're quite like very explicit and I'm like yeah okay you've got to pretend I'm not really listening. Yeah my kids are over there being a unicorn and I'm like oh <laughs> oh okay we're talking about bunnies are we? <laughs> right okay TMI I'm going to stop recording thank you so much Ya vi que estás aquí. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast with me, Beth Hardy. And if you want to connect with me more, you can get along to any of my socials, Your Family Wellbeing Coach on TikTok and Instagram. And you can find me at Stop the Triggers on Facebook. I hope to connect with you very soon. If you have a question that you want answering, we might be able to do a podcast all about that. So please do drop me a line. I'm so grateful for everyone who listens listens to this podcast see if you can rate and subscribe so we can make it bigger and better every week